0: Hello and welcome to the Rhythm Changes Podcast. Back from a break, I'm your host Will Chernoff and this episode is sponsored by Pearson Instruments. That's Brad Pearson. He is a guitar tech and Luthier based in South Vancouver. His shop is off of Oak Street, kind of in the Marpole neighborhood, and I've been there many times recently because I've been taking all my string instruments to Brad. He's been helping me get them feeling amazing, sounding beautiful, and honestly, it gets me inspired to play more, and I think that's true regardless of whether or not you're a professional performer like I've been for 10 years, or if you're a hobbyist or you have family members who just have a guitar in your house. Your string instruments deserve to sound and feel great. Brad can help you do that, so I highly recommend you go take your instruments to him, use his services, get those instruments back, and get going with more playing in your life. So. To learn more about Brad, you can go to pearsoninstruments.ca, check out his services, book an appointment with him, get your instruments over there. Once again, pearsoninstruments.ca to get your string instruments sounding and feeling great. This episode is sponsored by 12th Street Sound. Anthony Santorini's got your back. He's got a special deal for you, the listener of this show, to get up to 20% off your next recording project. Now that could be recording your music in the studio, it could be getting mixes done, or it could be going all the way from demo to final mixes with him at Twelve Street Sound. I've done that, he's mixed my first album, Aim to Stay. He's recorded multiple EPs that I've released. He's recorded my second album that I'm working on putting out right now. So I know him, I trust him, and I recommend you work with him too. It's especially great for artists on a budget who want something a little bit different, but that still stands up to the best of the best. So you can get that offer, 20% off your next recording project by going to 12street.ca rcp. And if you're doing something different that doesn't quite match the offer, let Anthony know and he'll still give you access to a special rate, 12street.ca, 12thst.ca slash RCP to get a deal on your next recording project this summer.
1: When you have a community to go and percolate in and figure out what it is you are, you're gonna thrive. You know that you can go out and have a good time. Your community are going to reciprocate that back at you and you just know that you're heard.
0: Vancouver music podcasters have to stick together there's not a lot of us but maybe there's more of us than you think that's why I've had Justice McClellan from the J-Pod on the show Jen Fritz from the FM podcast and we have another guest today who has his own local music podcast I was very excited to meet him and chat about it as well as his own music it's outside of the jazz world but hey this is the summer we're switching things up you're listening to the only weekly interview podcast about creative music in Canada Our guest today is an alt-pop artist, singer-songwriter, and producer under his own name, and he is the host of Just an Eridonis podcast, available only on Spotify and as a video cast on his YouTube channel. You can find his music everywhere, though, and you can find him on social media. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Eridonis.
1: Wow, your intro is so much more professional than mine. I, I just like, <laughs> I, I, I make a point of trying to improv it every time, and and. Yeah, that sounds so much better. You're making me second guess myself.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. The thing is, you can go back and listen to the episodes before I had it figured out. <laughs> ah, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I come from the jazz world, and it's a bit less of a thing there. Sure, in our world sometimes people will say, "Oh, I recorded that album." when I was a lot younger and I'm in such a different place now. So it's weird to go back and listen to it. Yeah. Your music journey started in December, 2019 with your first EP. You've released a handful of singles between now and then. Where do you draw that line right now? Where does your identity end in your catalog? And you feel like, wow, that was a past life. Oh man. I mean, it's, it's like a,
1: it feels like when I go back to the first little bit of music I put out, it feels like such a, it, it, it's definitely a stark contrast, but that's, it's almost like there's like a gradient to it uh, from, from then to now. But there's like a, uh, there was sort of a defining change uh, around the time I released a single called Hey, because uh, that was around the time I started to going to therapy and really like, you know, being a little bit less self-deprecating and a little bit more open to who I was as a person. Whereas the previous stuff was a little bit more i wanna i wanna change me or like I'm the problem that was like the f- name of the first e p you know and it was just like a lot of you know inward sort of damaging stuff and yeah. now uh and then there was sort of a mark shift around the time of hey where I started to kind of learn a little bit more about how
0: to communicate in a healthy way and yeah, and you emphasize that by putting out that great live video you did the session style video of hey with cassandra mays and royal oak yeah what was your experience like putting that together
1: uh that was i mean that was so cassandra produced it uh uh her and i are, are are good friends and we were writing a lot together uh in the yeah summer of like 2019 and then uh we uh, we started work on that song and then pandemic happened and blah, blah, blah. But then uh, I had always sort of original, like intended to have like a really in live video for it. So uh, through the pandemic, I met, uh, I, you know, I kind of got locked down right after moving into the place where I'm living now. And, uh, I was living with five roommates I didn't know. And it was like, I moved in in like end of February, 2020. So it was just like, oh, these are fresh brand new people. And then, uh, and then I ended up, you know, really vibing with them creatively. And, uh, one of the, the sort of friend groups I got brought into was a bunch of like videographers and people like that, that were, that are just like, I keep trying to pay them to do the work, but they're like, no, 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 I just really like doing this. And I'm just like, <laughs> wow. That's like, it feels like I feel guilty sometimes. Cause they're just so friggin talented. Uh, this one, uh, camera person in particular, Jay, that I work with, uh, at Lux three, two, eight on Instagram. I think, uh, they're, uh, they're fantastic. And, uh, and then my, my roommate, Debbie, they're also fantastic. They did a lot of the sort of as, uh, assisting on the on the project, and then Royal Oak are just like some buds of mine, and they were just like, "Yeah, we'll 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 help you out. Yeah, like we well, need a band, whatever." And they they showed up knowing all the stuff like right away. It was like, it's so amazing when you just get to work with a flawless group of musicians like that because it was like I was the I was the weak link in the whole thing, and that's that's how I want it to be. <laughs>
0: yeah, 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 yeah. I. I often feel lucky timing-wise because I moved into our current place in February 2019. We got married in March 2019. That was a big one. we were thinking about that because of the timing, right? Yeah. If we waited another year, you know, who knows, right? Yeah, but one exactly. One thing I've never done is live with other musicians. So it sounds like a stupid question, but yeah. what is it like living with a bunch of other musicians?
1: I mean, it was kind of like... I'd had a bunch of different living situations leading up to this like I was, you know, I was in a pretty like heavy relationship uh like straight out of high school and moved out from my parents place like probably a lot earlier than I should have and then after that it was uh you know after that kind of fell apart I was I was living with my grandmother and I was like you know what I've never done? Like, I've never just been in a house full of dudes and just, like, had, like, that (laughs) experience. Because I, like, I didn't really have much of a college experience. I did, like, a one-year music program at Douglas College. And then it was, like, I really feel like I'd benefit from just being around a bunch of, like, people in the same sort of headspace as me. And I was very right about that. I really like living this way, mostly because, you know, it's just, like, I get to hang out with a lot of, you know, cool people and bounce ideas off of each other. And we're all in totally different uh, places musically. Like uh, my one roommate down the hall does uh, like, cause we're just in a big house. My one roommate down the hall is uh, a house producer. My like next door roommate does like ambient music uh, under JT. You should look that up. Uh, if you like ambient sort of just, you're looking for something to fall asleep or just think about the universe too. Yeah. Uh, nice downstairs i've got uh Devi and adamo adamo's uh one day is gonna put out like a spaghetti western record or something that's gonna just blow somebody's mind he's just I- i'm waiting for it to for the dam to break on his creativity okay. <laughs> and then uh yeah and then dev does uh yeah all, all kinds of stuff from like harsh noise stuff to like metalcore really just all over the place cool stuff
0: yeah you're talking about your roommates and all the different genres. I had a hard time just coming up and calling you an alt pop artist at the top of the intro. When you were coming up, what did you fall in love with? What did you start listening to and what's your bag? Uh, I think that like the first
1: thing that like really like I kind of bounced around a lot, you know, I was a classic rock kid, you know, just c- up until I was a teenager and then it would it got kind of repetitive for me and i wanted to kind of expand a little more and i don't i didn't really make it very far outside of that because like the first artist that really grabbed me and pulled me in a direction uh outside of my like classic rock upbringing was jack white and the white stripes and like i think i'm yeah i'm literally wearing a jack white shirt right now but the (laughs) but it was it was that really kind of pulled me in this sort of n- new way of thinking about rock music you know and as as he kind of came out with i would i was right there you know whenever he came out with a new project you know and so bands like the black keys and jack white was were kind of where i like and queens of the stone age and just really like kind of riff driven modern rock modern rock yeah with a with but with a I, I i pay a lot of attention to lyrics so you know lyrics that I, I really, it really bugs me when I can guess what the next rhyme is going to be, you know, as soon oh. as somebody does that, it pulls me right out of the song, you know, like if I, if, if I hear the word like, you know, sky and I can say, please don't say, don't, please don't end the next line with high, you know, or something oh, like I that. I was thinking yeah. that word too. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like any of those, as soon as they hit it, it's just like, you know, it's like I get pulled out of the matrix and I'm just covered in goo, you know, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah those so artists like that, that kind of have just a slightly like, like. You know, it's it's got pop appeal to it, but it's got a slight twist to it where you're not quite exactly sure what's going to happen next. And then from there, I got into artists like LCD Sound System and Gorillas and Beck and stuff like that.
0: So way back on one of your posts on mm-hmm. Instagram, you described a period. It was after the fact. You described this period in your musical journey, which I think is after you put out the EP. But you can correct me if I got the timeline off. As Proto-Aerodonis, where I didn't know how or what to do with these songs. Yeah. What period was that? So that was um, that was when
1: i I started sort of producing my own music. Because I was, you know, I'd, I'd originally intended to be just a full-time producer for other people's stuff. And okay. Engineer and whatever. And I did that, you know, I, I realize now looking back as a way of like, you know, putting like a capitalist sort of mindset. of was like, this is how I will make a career, you know, when what I really wanted to do was just make my own songs and play them for people and, you know, go just be creative and do shows and stuff. But I made it in my head that I was like, if I just get a job at a recording studio, then I'll have a job, you know, and then it doesn't feel like I'm, you know, being like a, a lazy artist person you right. know what i and mean a job like,
0: in the field too exactly right? like that's yeah. what you're talking about the legitimacy yeah. of the job in the field. exactly right? that was exactly
1: it. i was trying to give my 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 need to want to be in the music industry and be a musician i wanted to give that legitimacy without you know being you know the 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 broke musician that i am today you know <laughs> and so uh-huh. it was and and so that's that's what i started doing and that's that and i'm really i'm glad i took that path now but at the you know at the same time I'm, i wish that i had Given myself permission to be an artist earlier, you know, I I wasn't really focusing on songwriting. I was focusing on learning everything I could about microphones and you know speakers and buying a bunch of plugins and stuff like that. And then it wasn't until I sort of started sharing a studio space with a a friend I went to college with, Davis, uh, goes by a slouch on uh, on socials. Okay. He's uh, he kind of encouraged me to really. You know, like I would, I would start a song and and he'd be in the room, you know, while we were you know working on stuff, and and I would be like, ah, this is horrible, and just like delete it, <laughs> you know, and be like, and be like, stop doing that, like just like, and then he he kind of behaved like my training wheels on how to like be confident in myself and as an artist, and uh, really gave me a lot of uh, confidence in what I was actually doing and that I could, you know, make things that were good. And so he got, uh, he, he just randomly signs up for things as well. He's just a very outgoing dude. And he'll just go and sign up for things without any intention on ever completing them or... Going and doing it, so he signed up for this like pay to play, really kind of scammy show. <laughs> Without, and he doesn't have a band. He doesn't have, you know, he didn't have any music prepared or anything. He just signed up for this random thing. Uh, I, I, it's some company. I assume the pandemic has swallowed them up, but it was just like a pay to play thing for a whole bunch of artists to take place at uh, uh, celebrities nightclub on Davy Street, oh. and uh, and he was just like, yeah, we're gonna need to put a set together. Uh, so we're just going to use all of your songs, you know, and so oh. that's that's kind of where we, uh, you know, and we we were on a this studio on a farm. Uh, there was another dude who lived on the property. His name was Dave. He played drums. And so the three of us just like I was just kind of given this deadline of now you've got to finish all these songs and make them playable for this one set. And it was kind of a a, a silly change of headspace but that's kind of what that was was that that was that proto erodontist phase of just like here's me trying to make these songs work in a live setting and make it an interesting performance you know and make it kind of what i want it to be what i what these sort of lofty goals i have in my head are and uh, and realize them a little bit and then after that that was kind of when i was like Oh, I can actually like do this. Like it was like a it was like a beta test for the whole Aradonis idea and you know, I didn't know what to call it yet, you know, cuz I my name is Aradonis and so the, the the last thing you ever think to call yourself when you want to go be an artist is your name, but I realized I was pretty search engine optimized kind of from birth, so.
0: Yeah, I did <laughs> that too. I used yeah. my own name. So, uh, I have a funny story about that too that I'll just briefly relay. Uh, of course. Folk Alliance, the, I used to play in a folk band, the the conference for folk bands and industry people in that genre. Uh, my band registered to go. It was actually in January 2020, uh, and we didn't end up going because our tour booking kind of overlapped on those dates. We didn't get an official showcase, so mm-hmm. we didn't go to Folk Alliance, but we registered, and so we started getting on the mailing lists for folk alliance and the associated people and i guess at some point your contact information kind of becomes available right so yeah at some point in february 2020 before the last time i flew anywhere uh i got a call from this guy i pick up and i say hello and he says hey william Chernoff," and i'm like yeah that's my name <laughs> he's like i'm also william Chernoff, but i go by billy and so i find this guy he's actually like Two generations older than us, and, oh, yeah. and he's Billy Chernoff He's out there, and he's he's recorded like all this country music. Uh, and he's, like, from nope. the same, like, ethnic background as me, too, and everything. And we're probably related. We didn't have enough time to establish when. But uh, other than him, I've got my name on lock on the internet, just like yourself, Eridanus. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, no. Every time a social media pops up, I've started grabbing it, you know, just cause I don't want <laughs> yeah, to. the digital land grab. Gotta go yeah, get it, you know. <laughs> exactly. I need, to, I need to tokenize my name at some point. I don't know how to do that, but we'll... When, you know, we'll see how where
0: technology goes I'm gonna have an Aerodonus token I'm gonna do an airdrop <laughs> i don't want
1: to i don't want that to be what has to happen but if it has to happen so be it you know oh <laughs> i'll go where i've got to go
0: keeps getting shown you know every year we do this is that like there's just infinite ways to skin the cat and there's just you can find your own way to do things there certainly is no template that you have to follow anymore No.
1: And that's, that's fantastic. You know, it's frustrating because there, you know, you don't really know what the steps are, you know, like, I think we've, we've kind of both grown up in a way where you can go like, oh, I I have this problem. Uh, let me just Google how to do it. And then you get a wiki how, you know, and then you at least know where to start, you know, but with, like being a musician and being an artist in general the whole point is that there aren't any rules you know <laughs> and so yeah. just getting past that block you know for for somebody like me who's you know very what are the steps and then i'll do, do the steps and then i'll have a great time you know that can be a uh a roadblock in and of itself
0: yeah you're right that There's no template. There certainly are people you can follow. Like there's people on YouTube. There's people on social media who can talk all day about what they think are the right strategies to use. And I'm sure we've both seen some of those people. So I could ask you about that. Uh, But I thought it was important to mention something about this kind of show that you described, this Mm -hmm. pay-to-play show experience. And in one of the episodes of your podcast, you said that there wasn't really anybody right now talking about the local industry so to speak mm-hmm. in the talk show format and so those conversations aren't as available as they should be and if they were more available then more people could learn about it and tap into it that's kind of it's kind of what you were saying right when it yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of yeah. the the idea is to just i wanted to just exchange all those
1: thoughts you know because we all kind of i think we all kind of have a similar take on what we go through <laughs> Yeah. sometimes yeah
0: so that's where it gets interesting because i'm kind of sequestered in this jazz scene like i've grown up in the jazz scene i entered the folk scene and i worked in the folk scene but those are two kind of niches those are not mm-hmm. mainstream popular music genres right mm-hmm. so there's actually a lot that i don't know about the vancouver music scene and one of the things i don't know is the proliferation of These kind of shows that are less than ideal. Because in the jazz scene, we don't actually have that. That's not a significant issue because we just kind of have our eight to 10 venues. Right. And they're really small. And we have a small community, and the small community goes out to those venues. And that's kind of it. In my world, you just don't have three or four artists getting together, sharing a bill, and co promoting a show. Like that's not how things are done. Yeah. So to people, Uh, like me who are kind of in that world i'm just curious from a bird's eye view like what are some of those things that you've been observing that you want to talk about what are the issues on your side of the fence here so the big thing that i think a lot
1: of like pop and rock musicians deal with uh you know and and this is probably this is true i think there's a there's a bit of a difference in like the rap and electronic music scenes but in the sort of I guess I'll call them, like, guitar-driven music. Or it could be, like, know? indie yeah. rock or indie yeah. pop, that kind of, yeah. That, that sort of stuff. There's uh, there's this kind of power structure hierarchy to to whether or not you get to just go out and play. And, you know, there's a back and forth on whether or not, you know, stuff needs to be, like, very aggressively curated, right, to make the experience the best for the audience, you know, and... Some people say that that doesn't happen enough. But then there's also, you know, you need an accessibility for people to go and learn how to play shows, right? Because the nature of a lot of that music, you know, indie music, uh, pop music, rock music, and whatever, is it's not really, like, there there aren't as many, like, bachelor degree programs as there are you know in like the jazz scene right like i and I that's know some... where
0: you meet people yeah for exactly sure.
1: yeah so the communities kind of form around people that really aggressively sort of educating themselves i find in jazz right and then they and then they want to go and uh, share in the experience together whereas if i'm starting out in my bedroom learning how to play green day songs you know and then going and wanting to go and play live and learn how to play live you kind of got to learn how to do that in front of people you know there isn't like a an environment to go learn and then go play shows, right? It's uh, There's there's obviously, you know, you still got to learn how to play shows when you're a jazz musician, obviously. But there's, there's learning how to play the music, there's learning how to play shows, all this stuff. And all of that kind of happens in front of somebody when you're playing pop and rock music. So then what happens as a result of this, I think, is uh, people kind of take advantage because you need to play in order to get good at playing. So there's these promoters that will kind of go around and make it so that, yeah, we're going to put five or six bands on a bill and we're going to put a, a a system in place where every band is going to guarantee the promoter that they can sell so many tickets, you know, at, at at whatever price. And if they can't do that, then they're going to pay the difference out of their own pocket. Right. And you know, very big asterisk that would be cool in my opinion if the promoter was also going out and finding people to put in the room (laughs) you know but instead they're putting in the entire promotion part of the promoting the show on the musicians and because they're putting five six eight bands on the bill that's what's going to fill the room right and if you've got a very well curated group of people right like if you're like yeah we're gonna really nail down eight metal bands and they're all going to bring their friends that are really fans of the music, right, and not just friends that are doing a favor and aren't really paying attention and don't really care and don't really want to be there and aren't really a part of the music live music experience on a local level. You know, they're just coming to hang out with their friends and have a couple of beers. Then, then it would be cool. Like, you'd have, you'd have a whole room for people that want to experience their music and uh, experience all the other bands' music and go and you create a live scene off of that, but you just don't really get that. Uh, you end up paying these promoters to play these shows to people that don't care or, you know, paying to play to not very many people at all. And it's just not a very good, wholesome experience because I played other shows, you know, uh, at a slightly higher level, just kind of as a hired gun for different bands or whatever. And it's a totally different experience. It's so great, you know, but you you have to do so much sort of backbreaking promotion and work to get past that and it's uh and nobody's really kind of stepping in to mediate between
0: the bands and the venues and it's a lot (laughs) that's a lot to unpack yeah (laughs) it is and it is something that i'm just not familiar with because yeah yeah, it's such a different thing in my little neck of the woods and Mm -hmm. it sounds like in the indie world there's just so much variety that there's not enough cohesion on there that might be one of the there's, issues there's a here, lot right? of yeah there's a yeah. lot of
1: facets to it and i'm and i'm learning more about it as i talk to more people but that's yeah. that's been my experience a lot of the time is uh is it's just like the the promoters I, I i think of the promoter as the person that would pick the bands to go on the bill based off of I'm a fan of these bands and I think they would sound good together and make a good experience for some people. And then I'm going to get some people who like that kind of thing and put them in the room. I think of them as being like a matchmaker. You Absolutely. Know? That's but, it. Yeah. But instead, instead, they kind of end up being like a landlord in my, <laughs> in my experience. They're just kind of like, I'm just kind of here to get paid, you know, and I'm going to just grab a bunch of people, bunch of whoever's available this Saturday, you know, and I'm not really going to do any promotion i'm just going to get these people to bring their friends you know and if not they're going to pay me anyway
0: interesting yeah because you can imagine if you were presented alongside the right four other artists at any given time mm-hmm. if the match was good for each pair yeah of artists on the bill then you have actually made something by bringing that audience to that gig and you might feel like that kind of gig really has a certain value right that it doesn't if the match isn't good for all the bands yeah
1: so you're like a band that's maybe got your your first set of songs together and you're just looking to kind of take your first steps into playing shows and it can be such a frustrating experience because you play your first show and all your friends and your family who've never seen you play before show up maybe you're playing last and all those people left <laughs> because their fr- their friend's band played already, you know, and so yeah, it, it might be a great experience, it might not, but the, it comes when you get into like the second or third show and all your family and friends, you've kind of used up all your favors with them and then you just kind of lose steam and then you stop participating, you know. That sucks because there's probably some really good bands that just aren't getting enough experience to get better because they're not playing... As part of a community, you know, it's, they're, they're just kind of in these tiny little micro experiences that aren't very well curated and aren't very well put together. And it's, it's a shame they're like, if we had a hundred of those people in and around town, you know, shouting from the rooftops every time something cool happened, you know, then we would have a really vibing community, but it just it's just there's something missing. And part of it might be infrastructure, right? Part of it might be just liquor laws, you know, is a is a thing that comes up quite a bit. Like we can't have shows as late as we want to or and at the right venue that we want to, uh, because, you know, the city doesn't want a venue here, blah, blah, blah. The city's not investing enough in local events to foster community talent,
0: you know. There's there's a lot of parts to it, but Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's one thing I wanted to go one more level on too, which was Please. this idea of the first gig where you have friends and family and what yeah. happens in there because ultimately your friends and family are, are not your audience unless they are. Like yeah. they're going to uh, support you because they like you at the first time, but then whether or not they continue being your audience is the same as anybody else it's that at that point. It's just yeah. whether or not they're interested in what you're doing and i remember i had this with rhythm changes where i started rhythm changes in kind of the second half of 2020 Mm -hmm. and since that gig list dropped and since rhythm changes has been doing that uh the majority of the people in the audience have been not my friends and colleagues in fact i would even say the majority of the people who are signed up by email to the free weekly article at rhythm changes today uh, i've never met them or i could even say i don't know who they are <laughs> so at some point that happens but yeah. is it that what you're describing here is that the existential problem for the artists in this scene is that if you get from gig one to gig three and that doesn't happen
1: yeah and that's that's kind of it it's it's a lot of a live performance is feeding on like, I don't really get anything by playing the songs I wrote to an empty room. You know, I can, I get a lot from playing the songs I write to myself in my room and working on them and being in my little creative uh, bubble, right? But when I want to go out and share it, I want to share it. I want it's to... A, it's a communication tactic. I want to communicate what I've felt or what my experiences are or just have a good time, and I want to do that with other people, right? And so when you're going and just kind of dry firing <laughs> your music out into an empty room or out to people that you can tell just don't care and are just there because they're your friends, you know, and you feel like you're holding them hostage. And, uh, that's, you know, and, and that sometimes it's because maybe your music's not quite there yet. Maybe your songwriting's not quite there yet. Maybe the sound guy just sucks, you know, like, you know, there, or maybe the sound system sucks. There's, 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 many variables. there's many variables to that, obviously, but you know, in a, in a sort of safe, uh, venue experience you know and there's people that are there uh just because they want to be a part of the scene you know and they're going to encourage you and get you to keep trying that's you know that's what's kind of missing i guess is the the lubricant uh (laughs) in that whole system and to keep it from just stopping right when you have a community to go and you know percolate in and figure out what it is you are You're going to thrive, you know, whether it be because your your you know, your band or your, your music gets more successful touring and doing all that stuff, or just, you, you know that you can go out and have a good time playing your songs for your friends and your community are going to reciprocate that back at you. And you just know that you're heard, right? Like that's, that, that in and of itself is a fantastic experience, even if it doesn't gain any sort of commercial traction, you know? And so there's these, these little gaps that are denying
0: some people that experience and,
1: that kind of sucks <laughs>
0: yeah it's like maybe and you understand this for sure uh i've seen you post about it too and i've done this maybe like the worst example of lack of presenter lack of curation just mm-hmm. firing things off into the ether is submit hub rejections <laughs> yeah yeah
1: i've I've got a discord group that i'm a part of that's like a music marketing thing and we were just talking about that uh last night and it's uh yeah it's it it hurts
0: <laughs> yeah yeah interesting yeah i mean and obviously there's not very many people on submit hub for jazz right so oh you kinda, yeah yeah you gotta it's, make it's it easier happen. that way yeah. it's easier because there's a limit on how many people you can reach out to but as far as playlist people and mm-hmm. blog people who could review indie pop and rock music. Like, I'm sure it's endless. So there's just going to be so many people that you have to sift through when you're going on SubmitHub, which is a great marketplace. It's cool that they collect all those people there together for you to pitch to so that you don't have to discover each one of them. It's a great concept. The founder seems like a cool dude, but I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a funny experience trying to pitch uh, your music all over the place on SubmitHub and getting 100 no's, right?
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's just like... Yeah, I really like this song. I just, you know, I just don't think it really fits the in this particular context or I like yes, but, you know, or anything like that. It those, those are the things that really frustrate me where it's just like I you need to almost know the person's taste uh before you submit to them and uh and tailor what you're sending to them accordingly. Yeah. And that can be so frustrating cuz you're like, "Oh, okay, so you're saying it's like it's good." You're, you've still taken my money and you'd still not get a feature in your playlist. You know, those are the ones where I'm just like,
0: oh, you know, yeah, that's where they that's lose really me. That's really interesting. I'm on the other side of this. I have okay. an outlet I get pitched to, right? And I say that often because I have limited space. Of course. At least what I'm doing right now is I'm sending out one free weekly article that has one review in it. So we really have like kind of just under 50 reviews a year Yeah, Um, and luckily I'm in a really small community so the numbers kind of work out where there are kind of only that many Canadian jazz albums that get pitched to me every year Mm -hmm. I do end up saying sometimes when there's a different genre pitch to me Mm -hmm. I say yeah I I like it but I don't have a spot for it so you know you want to find just like I want to find the other Vancouver music podcasters you want to (laughs) find the other people who want to publish the stuff and you want to make sure the right stuff goes to the right people
1: absolutely and it's a uh, you know for like i i released two songs this year and one was like a folk song <laughs> and one was like a sort of harder electronic based rock song you know and i'm just like hard mode yeah 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 those those two songs are you know they, they're not, they don't really fit together <laughs>
0: you know i, I listened to the I, other one too what's the title of The bumper other one? sticker sentiments yeah. Very folky. Yeah. Very acoustic guitar driven. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it was, the, those are just two different places that I was in, you know, and it's like, do I release those as just different artist names? Do I, I you know, these are the questions that I, that I keep on dealing with. And so when it get, comes time to, you know, release something and I'm, I'm at Submit Hub time, you know, it's just like so overwhelming because I feel like I've sent seven or eight totally different projects to this just the same hundred <laughs> outlets and got kind of, the same results. And I'm like, what is missing here? Because I've tried folk music with you. I've tried, you know, electronic music with you. I've tried a, you know, like a pop rock, you know, alt track with
0: you, everything, you know. <laughs> can I go in on this? I don't expect you to have the answer to this line of questioning, but maybe Please. we can actually get somewhere on this together. Have you ever had, have you yet had the experience of pitching to a writer or an outlet and having them? Identify with your music, write about it, and it being a grade A fit. Have you had this? No, no, I don't think I have and they wrote they were close,
1: but it I could tell they it there was just the they didn't really dig in as deep as and i could tell
0: (laughs) you know it was okay so even this experience that you say is like the good example of it you still don't really feel like they went in on it to any
1: they didn't get it you know like it was they uh, didn't
0: get it they were they were just talking kind of about the the top
1: level aesthetics you know of the song you know they weren't really digging in on what what was
0: there okay but that experience if you found it if you had it do we even still agree that that Still has value because maybe somebody could say, Oh, it doesn't have value anymore. Like that used to be an important part of the pre internet industry, but now there's different things going on. I Mm -hmm. don't necessarily believe this, but I'm just thinking about what could happen here. They could say, Oh, that, you know, maybe you can't expect that anymore because maybe that doesn't have any value. On the other hand, it does if you can reach more people through this person who has dug what you presented to them, right? So does yeah. this thing that we're talking about that we're searching for, does it still have value?
1: I think, I think it, the, the context in this case is just like, like I said, you know, when, I, when it comes to playing to a room full of people, I just want to feel like I'm communicating with people and they're communicating back, right? So if, I, if somebody can write something about a piece of music that I wrote and really get it, you know and really get the point that i'm going for or whatever or you know like if they've got something nice to say about it that that's nice too but like yeah when when people really align with it and then they can turn around to the community of people that they have and go hey check this out here's the the pitch on why it's cool or why i vibe with it you know and then now all these other people are getting getting it as well you know that yeah that totally has value do people still kind of discover music this way on a massive scale? Because it was a pretty short period of time where blogs and vlogs and stuff like that were the de facto way that people discovered music, and at least you know, independent music. Right? It was it was yeah. kind of in the the MySpace to YouTube. We saw it when we were kids. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it was, uh, but it wasn't. But it was. It was already sort of starting to fade out a little bit when when you and I kind of you know peaked into adulthood and now it's just kind of a like it's it's people that are really just bathed in fandom for music but nowadays yeah it's the value of it on a commercial aspect it's kind of yeah it's 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 different
0: <laughs> i think we actually identified what the value is though because yeah. you said the people that they have right like if they get it and they write about it and then they tell their people whom they've gathered yeah. about it and they get that's where the value is it's the yeah. extent to which the writer and that's where it's just another vertical it's just another thing just mm-hmm. like a TikToker or a youtuber or a playlister or in anything i don't think of them as zero sum personally like i don't think oh now everybody is doing youtube and TikTok, tock etc yeah. so the the blog thing is is dead. No, it's just another vertical. Like, they're additive. Yeah. You know, if you add a blog that has that value add where they do actually have people, then you have added something to the the ecosystem. You haven't necessarily taken anything away from any of the YouTubers and the TikTokers, but mm-hmm. if there's nobody there doing that through writing, you've, you've missed a vertical. You've missed an opportunity to add the value. But the value maybe depends on whether or not you as the outlet as the writer if you have the ability to get that audience following you and getting the stuff with you because if you're writing and you don't have that then you haven't added value right
1: yeah exactly it's it's kind of a yeah, yeah you, you need to have the sort of the group of people that are in the same sort of headspace as you and in the same sphere and then yeah you know and then you're just kind of the the curator right you're the, yeah. the person
0: that doesn't control it but can say hey check this out you know people trust you just like the presenter who's in theory good at bringing together the right four bands where it it adds value to you and it it unlocks that the matchmaker that (laughs) that helps somebody who's starting from their bedroom and does gig one get to gig three by giving them a way to find some people through a a vertical where those people already are you know that Mm -hmm. isn't just the the wide open world of the internet that you feel like you have to promote yourself on right too daunting too impossible to just do that you have to you have to be able to see some places where you can uh, add yourself, right?
1: Yeah, and and even at the musician level, I'm learning a lot more about marketing. You know, and I've I've spent a long time because you know I've put out a lot of songs that have uh, that have not really picked up anything commercially. You know, I've been in that you know less than one thousand streams place on Spotify for a long time. So I'm like, okay, clearly I need to do something about my uh, something about something if I want to change that. So you know, it's either I'm making the wrong stuff. the right people are making the right, you know, the right stuff for the wrong people. And it's just about finding that balance. But a lot of artists on the music marketing TikToks I follow, a lot of them joke about new song out now new single out now, you know? And, and that's that's all a lot of artists have to say because they burned out all their creativity on making the thing. And now they're just like, somebody please, please do something with this. You know,
0: please listen to this. That's the value because if you're the, the, the media person and you have found this vertical of people, uh, what you're doing is your priority is finding those people. Whereas when you're an artist, you have other priorities and you have to figure out a way to do everything to get to the finish line. But if yeah. those people are there, then... We do I think agree that that does have real real value.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that yeah, that's what I'm saying is it's just like it's so difficult as an artist to to kind of, you know, get it to the end zone sometimes
0: and Okay, it, so here's where I was going with this line. When mm-hmm. I started rhythm changes, I knew there were people who were doing what I'm doing now here with this outlet, you know, in the late 90s, going going mm-hmm. into the 2000s, you know, to some extent during the social media era, but when I started doing it there was literally nobody doing it in my particular niche in the Vancouver jazz scene. Mm-hmm. You report that you haven't had this experience where somebody, we weren't even thinking somebody local, but mm-hmm. specifically it could even be somebody local, that you haven't had this experience of pitching to somebody local who gets it. Yeah, This is the question that I don't know if we can really answer, but I think we've actually laid something out on. Where are these people? Why aren't they doing it? Why aren't there more rhythm changes in yeah. in the indie genres why why where are these people
1: and that's a and that's a it's a really good question i mean and in the in the vancouver space you know there's there's probably that you know maybe maybe in tennessee you know and uh and you go to nashville there's probably tons of people you know in the local area that are printing magazines and stuff and people are reading them you know it's uh it feels like they just i don't know where they are I I like, and I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they just work too much because they gotta pay expensive Vancouver rent. You know, like (laughs) maybe they're they just they haven't realized that that's something they can do. You know, and we've kind of a a gap has been created in the sort of millennial Gen Z uh, uh, generation just because our priorities are a little different. You know, our maybe our attention spans are shorter or whatever it is boomers say about
0: us, right? Like <laughs> And I'm not saying where are these people because I'm implying that they don't exist. That's that's not right. what I mean. I'm not implying that the permanent rain press didn't exist. Right. Yeah. It yeah. has existed yeah. since 2012, I think. There are yeah. other outlets that exist, but when I say where are these people, I mean time and place. Where are these people who I know do exist out there when they can be showing up for people like you? why why don't they show up and it's not all to be blamed on them you're right of course there not. are these other yeah. factors that involve but I think that's a key question because if if everything we've discussed over the last 20 or so minutes here is true there are people that do exist and they do add something that we still agree has real value mm-hmm. that making a vertical of people who want to learn about the kind of music you like that still is of service we need to figure out why in some scenes nobody is showing up at particular times and places to do this like I would love to see somebody start a rhythm changes like thing which really only just means like a solo outlet right yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah like don't don't wait to get a opportunity to pitch or write for exclaim yeah don't wait to get into the next issue of new feeling like these things exist right but yeah, there's clearly room here like maybe the fear for the would-be writer would be oh well it'd be able to say oh it's so saturated there's so much going on and nobody will uh will find me amid all the other things but what what you said about oh i haven't i haven't found this person yet this hasn't happened to me yet i think that's true for a lot of us and it's and it's yeah there's so many
1: factors obviously to like you know Who knows when the show is or what, you know, and where it is, right? There's, you know, the, we just, I think maybe we all just need at the artist level, at the outlet level, at the venue level, at the
0: promoter level, maybe we all just need to be a little bit louder about what we're doing. (laughs) Maybe it's cyclical and maybe we're going back from the wide, wide world of social media and maybe we want again to have certain places where we know we can find what we're looking for maybe right
1: yeah exactly like you know there was you know you you, you always hear the stories you know in the classic rock days like oh yeah you go to this neighborhood in new york and that's where you'd find hendrix you know just hanging out or you know the (laughs) rolling stones hanging out you know blah 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 and uh we i don't i can't think of a space particularly that that's like that you know there's venues and stuff like that but nowhere where we just go and hang out you know it's a it's a it's a different experience you know we're all a little bit more cloistered and then we go out for events you know and we participate in events but we don't necessarily just go exist together as much you and know?
0: just the last two years of course has really amped that up absolutely yeah yeah there's a uh, there's
1: you know i think yeah we all just need to be a little bit louder about what we're doing and a little bit more loud about what our friends are doing, and it's gonna get it's gonna get to the right person eventually. It's just I we just just don't stop, you know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've reached the point here where we've identified things that are too big for us to not only <laughs> diagnose but certainly solve. Uh, of course. But yeah, yeah. This has been fascinating. This is the perfect summer episode, in my opinion, where you get to stretch out and yeah. just talk about something like this. Obviously, if you're listening to this show and you want to hear more conversations like this, they're being had by Eradonas here on the Justin Eradonas podcast. If you're listening through a podcast app, it's only Spotify, but you can also watch it on YouTube. Tap into his show because he's going to keep having conversations that are like this to some extent. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool for me to learn about your side of the scene here in the same city where I'm off doing completely different things. Same I look here. forward to seeing you around in the real world. And thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me today. This has been fantastic, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you like what you hear, I invite you to sign up to the free weekly article that I write. This week's article, available now, is an interview with Isabel Leong about the Ghibli Jazz Orchestra. That's right, playing songs and music from those Miyazaki movies. We talked after Isabel played some guitar at the Fort Langley Jazz Festival. And if you like what you read there, you can sign up for future free weekly articles right on our homepage at rhythmchanges.ca.